0: In today's episode of Bill and Frank's Guilt Free Pleasures, we cover a song that almost feels like an Olympic relay race. Four artists, four incredible vocalists,
1: one amazing song. That's what friends are for.
0: Friends are one of the most important things in life. I would say
1: oxygen would trump friends. Yeah,
0: okay. Well, let's go with like sort of... um,
1: Are we creating a list or is it just... uh, No,
0: I just thought that was a great opener. uh, And you quite figuratively took the air out of the room with that one. (laughs) That's what I'm here for. Yeah, I've been friends with Frank for... It's been 30 years. 30 years. Yep. 30 years. Yeah. And the sort of things friends do for each other is they they lift each other up. They're there when they're feeling down. We ruin openings. Ruin openings. And even if a friend is feeling really sick, a good friend is able to say, hey, we have deadlines to meet. Get out of bed. We're doing a podcast.
1: Yeah. So, role reversal here. Uh, this is the first podcast that we've recorded when I'm under the weather, as opposed to the, I think, 17 or 18 that that Bill has been sick for. But uh, apologies for my stuffy, nasally voice, but we're going to persevere. We're going to try to keep smiling and keep shining
0: through this whole episode. So, today's episode is on That's What Friends Are For, specifically, the Dion Warwick and Friends version.
1: Yes.
2: Keep smiling, keep shining, knowing you can always count on me for sure.
1: So, specifically because uh, I found out while researching, and Wikipedia did have a page on this, so I was able to, to figure this out, that uh, the song was originally written for Rod Stewart.
0: Yeah, it was written for the movie Night Shift. So, I had watched the movie Night Shift, I don't know, sometime in the 90s, I think I was Sick at Home, and they played it on City TV at, from 1 to 3, they do those afternoon movies.
1: yeah. So, everything's and coming full circle because you were sick then.
0: I was sick then. So, here we are. And it was really odd because at the end of the movie, they play this song, which just didn't seem to fit because... Have you seen Night Shift? No. So, it's Michael Keaton's debut movie. That's right. Yeah. And it also has Henry Winkler and it's kind of like his big move outside of Happy Days. Okay. But it's about two friends who start a brothel out of a morgue. It's oh. A, it's a comedy. Okay. And Shelley Long plays like the the head prostitute? Oh, okay. I I guess it's a love story. <laughs> so, it I I think Henry Winkler gets together with Shelley Long at the end. Everything works out despite the fact that they're running an illegal business and then the song plays over like a cityscape.
1: Oh, okay. Well, it really ties it together at the end there.
0: Yeah. It really sounds different. It's hard to say schmaltzy because this is
1: very schmaltzy. Oh, very much so. But uh, the the Rod Stewart version, we were playing a little
0: bit of it and I was just like this doesn't sound good. It felt moogie. Yes. Even though when I looked through the personnel they didn't have a Moog player, but whatever keyboard synthesizers they're using definitely has a moogie feel to yeah. it. Yeah. That's a, I like that uh new new term moogy. Yeah. And so, you got Rod Stewart's vocal, but he doesn't do really anything special. No. And the song's not fully realized, as we'll go through when we do a lyrical analysis. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, that's written by Burt Bacharach and Carol Bear Sager. Who are a married couple? I think by this point are about to get married. Okay, and so they've done a bunch of songs together, and and they used to write for Dionne Warwick back in the '60s. Right, that was with Bert Backrock and Hal David. Yes,
1: yes. Sorry, yeah. Yeah,
0: and so that songwriting team did huge business. Yeah, wrote I mean just a ton of songs, but then they had a falling out. Yeah. And that actually ended up turning into bad news because they had an exclusive deal with Dion Warwick. Dion Warwick sued Bert Bacharach. That's right. He yeah. For five million dollars. Yeah, and
1: back in like in the '70s. Yeah, so that's, that's like, a lot of money. That's like at least like eight million today's dollars.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll check that math. Yeah, it's yeah. not good math. Yeah. So he ends up meeting Carol Bear Sager at least sometime in the '70s, mid '70s, late '70s. And they become a songwriting team. Okay. Very successful. They yeah. write the Oscar-winning song for Arthur.
1: Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah.
0: Best That You Can Do, or Arthur's yeah, Theme. By Christopher Cross. Yeah. So they've already done that. They've already been very successful. And then Bert Bachrach was supposed to write a song for an Aaron Spelling production.
1: Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that that's how we reconnected with um,
0: Dion Warwick, right? Right. And it's one of those detective shows, but it had some odd. Plot. I don't know if it had to do with X's getting back together by detectives. It, it was it was uh, detectives
1: that uh, that brought like X's back together or something like that. That's I didn't awesome. actually see the show, but I did read something about that.
0: And so that featured Luther Vandross on vocals yeah. and Dionne Warwick. Yeah. And then that brought Bert Backrack and Dionne Warwick back as friends, as you were saying. And uh, that's what they're forced to write songs for each other. Yeah. So they end up bringing this to Dionne Warwick because she was going to do an album. And I guess Bert Backrack was going to be one of the producers on it. Yep. And she says it feels like it should be a duet, and she wanted to do it with her friend Stevie Wonder,
1: because mm-hmm. Stevie Wonder broke into the biz in around the same time as Dionne Warwick back in the '60s. That's right. Well,
0: as Little Stevie. That's correct. Now everybody around them, I guess, all the producers and the people at the record company, friends, whatever, they all felt there still needed to be another person involved in this, and Dion Warwick wanted Gladys Knight to be in it. Yeah. So, Gladys Knight joins. And then, so, the story goes, let's see, there's a couple versions of this story. Yeah. Now, you have, like, if we're going chronologically, you have Elizabeth Taylor showing up with the playwright, I think, Neil Simon, to listen to the recordings of dion warwick and stevie wonder so he's there with burt backrack you have elizabeth taylor there and she suggests that all the proceeds of this single go to aids research yeah yep and then somehow according to the stereogum article it was clive davis who got elton john in on this does that sound right yeah because uh
1: arista um released the single and then, because Elton John was on Arista, they, uh, they brought him along as well to, to just sort of uh, help punch up the song, I guess, or, or to be a part of it.
0: Right. And then Dionne Warwick claimed in a People Magazine interview, that scholarly journal People Magazine, she said that the way Elton John got involved was that she saw him at a shopping mall the day before recording and said, hey, you need to come record with us. Now, the problem, of course, with this is they didn't record the song together. Yeah. So, apparently, only Dionne Warwick and Stevie Wonder recorded together, and then Gladys Knight recorded her own part, yeah. maybe even somewhere else, and Elton John almost certainly recorded his part somewhere else.
1: Yeah. They were all stitched together, jigsawed together, and put together for,
0: for the song by the, uh, by the producer. So, now we have this mega single. Mm-hmm. You have Burt Bacharach, who's done the production. You have all the different players coming in. David Foster is playing some synthesizer on this. Michael Landau, who we've talked before, is playing guitar. So, there's a, you're going to go through that list. There's like major uh, session musicians. Elton yep. John plays piano. And Stevie Wonder plays harmonica. The harmonica is the only thing that's noticeable to me in the song. Yeah. Like Elton John playing piano, I think you could have brought anybody in because I can't hear the piano.
1: Yeah. The vocals are, are what's driving the train here, right? That's right.
0: right. And it is it is a vocal forward song. Yeah. It is very radio friendly. And this comes out at a time, let's see, it's 1986 where it hits number one in January. Yeah. And um, interestingly, I know this might come up later, but I might as well bring it up now. Do you want to hear what else was in the top five? Yeah, let's hear that. Okay. This makes sense. So, That's What Friends Are For is number one. Number two, Say You, Say Me, Lionel Richie. Oh, okay. A bit of curveball here. Number three, Party All The Time, Eddie Murphy. (laughs) And then Alive and Kicking by Simple Minds and I Miss You by Climax. Okay. And then Small Town is number six by John Cougar Mellencamp. I put that in there just because I don't really know... Alive and Kicking or I Miss You as songs. Okay, those are our top five. And then uh, Canada is pretty similar, except they have Rock Me Amadeus at number three instead. Yeah. Which is still pretty similar to I Party All The Time <laughs> for quality, I think.
1: Yeah, but it, it took a long time for it to get to number one because it was released in October of 85, uh, of right? The song? Yeah.
0: yeah, so I mean, it had to make its way through Christmas. Yeah. But it was it probably the number one selling single of 86 from what i gather
1: yeah it was it was number one for 4 weeks in 86 yeah.
0: and i think it just sold a ton of copies yeah.
1: and and i think also because of the proceeds going to aids charities that it helped uh helped with the sales obviously that way but it, it was also in the same vein as uh, do they know it's christmas um we are the world we are the world uh the, the other sort of like the big charity song so that's something that I think was pretty unique to North America in the in the mid-'80s was these giant charity songs where you would get people together and and sing a song and release a single for a cause. But this one just feels a little bit more organic.
0: Yeah, and it's definitely more intimate. It's just yes. four people. Yep. And even though there's, you know, major people involved in this, we have yep. Elizabeth Taylor and Burt Bacharach and everybody, but it's still kind of contained. Yeah. All right. Well, it's time to analyze the lyrics? Let's hit them. Okay. It begins with that iconic harmonic. Can I say harmonic? That's, that's not appropriate. I'm going to get in trouble by our music.
1: People. It's okay.
0: Our music people don't listen. Yeah. Harmonic's a scale. Let me try that again. Iconic Harmonica playing in there yeah. and that's when you hear it at least in my head i'm like oh that's stevie wonder that's yeah. a stevie wonder harmonica
1: one of the things that friends do for each other is we point out when one of us is wrong on the podcast and that's not part of the lyrics the harmonica is not part of the lyrics no
0: it's you're right so i realize that as i said lyrical analysis well the harmonica feels like it's a voice in itself in yeah the
1: song. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how you play the harmonica you just yell words into the into that thing and it it comes out like that right
0: right right yeah friends forgive each other even when they're being mean to each other
1: (laughs) wait was that directed at me
0: friends don't let other friends know when they're angry at them either they just hold the anger in and just stew about it
1: it's what i was doing when you showed up an hour and a half late
0: (laughs) okay All right. okay so the end of our podcast yeah it's the end So, Dionne Warwick is our first entry into the uh, game here. It's kind of like a relay, actually. Yeah. You're a runner. Yeah. So, Dion Warwick begins with, And I never thought I'd feel this way. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm glad I got the chance to say that I do believe I love you.
2: And I never thought I'd be as far as I'm concerned, I'm glad I got the chance to say that I do believe I love
0: you. I'm going to go to the second half in a moment, but yeah. just so you know, it's kind of an odd beginning with, and I never thought I'd feel this way. Mm-hmm. So, Carol Bayer Sager said, it is a weird beginning because it sounds like you're coming partway through somebody's conversation. She wanted to begin with, I never thought I'd feel this way as this sort of statement. Yeah. And so she wrote it down, and Bert Bacharach said, No, that's not how I played the song. I, there's a note at the beginning, and it needs <laughs> a it, word there. It needs a syllable. And she's like, No, it's I never thought I'd feel this way. And he said, No, it's and I. And she's like, That's not going to work. She goes, Yes, it will. And then she said, Never doubt Bert Bacharach. And she's right. It is even more powerful coming into this conversation. We yeah. don't know what's come in before, but it just begins this way.
1: But that first half of the verse there, you could take it as a way of it being a romantic song. Right.
0: Yeah. And so... You can um, love your friends. You can't... Well, this is like one of those things where maybe I thought about this, whether it's two people who've been friends this long, and now they're able to say that she loves them. But then I thought, maybe it's somebody who's dying. And this is the first time they've been able to actually say this to the person who's dying that got dark i know well, i i was trying to think about how to analyze the song because when i was a kid and my whole life i never thought it was lovers i just assumed yeah. they were friends yeah. now, on the rod stewart version it sounds like they're lovers yeah so um and of course i know what you're thinking that you can't be lovers if you can't be friends that's right so the the course that's the underpinning of what Michael Bolton's going to do with this song years yeah. later, <laughs> so, because this is a Dionne Warwick song. It's really Dionne Warwick and friends. She gets yeah. most of the airtime at the beginning because you don't. The, when we get to the others, they don't get verses this long. Yeah. So she goes to the next part here, and if I should ever go away, well, then close your eyes and try to feel the way we do today, and then if you can remember. Mm.
2: I should ever go away. Well then close your eyes and try Feel the way we do today and then if you can remember
0: when she says and if I should ever go away, it maybe it is something where these people are a thing, but they're not. I don't know. Well, ma- do you think they're married? And then she's talking about her so. death, her impending death? <laughs> Why does it have to be death? Well, I just had me thinking about it. Well, because... Maybe it's
1: just a really, really deep appreciation for a friend and a friendship.
0: That's true. That's true. Because, um, because when we get to the chorus, the person's always there. Yeah. But because the song is for AIDS research and, and looking towards a cure, when I hear the song and know that, then... I imagine when they're singing this, they're also thinking about all the friends they've lost.
1: But the the, the song was written prior
0: to the decision for the proceeds to go to, to, to charity, right? That's true. Now, maybe they were even sung before they made the decision. Yeah. However, let's say they weren't. Dionne Warwick being the masterful interpreter of Bacharach songs, possibly you could take it this way, or at least because of what this is connected to. My reading still stands as a possibility.
1: I think it stands as a possibility. I just don't agree with it.
0: Okay. Well, friends, let friends come up with other ways of reading. Yeah. I'm going to allow your way. Of to be th- th- the right way? No. <laughs> All right. On to the chorus. On to the chorus. Keep smiling. Keep shining. Knowing you can always count on me, for sure. That's what friends are for. For good times and bad times. I'll be on your side forevermore. That's what friends are for.
1: See, that's why I don't think it's a uh um a friend passing on conversation. Cuz, you know, I'll be on your side forevermore, like that's what friends are for. We're we're going to be here for each other. It's it's that uh it's a triumph of friendship. And, you know, there's good times, there's bad times. So, I don't know. It, it just it just seems like it, it's something that that's going to be lasting and going on for a while. Not that it's, uh, you know, uh, the end of the road. It's not a boys to men song.
0: Right. Well, your reading is my general reading as well. I'm okay. trying to put forward this possibility. Now, this may be apocryphal, but perhaps what if I told you I heard that the script for Ghost was actually out for years. And Bert Bacharach and Carol Bayer-Sager wrote this as the finale when Patrick Swayze is looking at Demi Moore and they play friends over it. Really? Yeah, because he keeps shining because he's so bright as he goes up into heaven.
1: Are you just making that up as you go along or is
0: that actual... I might be making that up. I might be. But if I wasn't making it up... Friends I've- let
1: friends lie on podcasts. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, all right, enough about this uh ghost stuff.
2: Keep smiling, keep shining, knowing you can always count on me. For sure. That's what friends are for, for good times
0: and bad times. So we have Dion Warwick, she's doing her thing and it's yeah. it's fine. And her voice is strong and yeah. it's good. But then you got that next line. Well, you came and opened me, and now there's so much more I see. And so by the way, I thank you. And that's uh Stevie Wonder. Oh man. And when you hear him say it, it's just that beginning well, he when he says, Well, it just has this power. Yeah. It lifts the song. When he sings, he has this ability to just push the song upwards in mm-hmm. this sort of joyful yeah feeling
2: well, you came in open me, and now there's so much more I see and so, by the way I thank you
0: I mean this is one of the things I remember as a kid hearing this like it's like oh I loved hearing his voice come in yeah yeah it was so powerful and then in comes Elton John yeah. Oh, and then for the times when we're apart, well, then close your eyes and know these words are coming from my heart. And then if you can remember. I always thought he said these wolves are coming from my heart. And so I always thought wolves was like, oh, I guess that's a positive metaphor for love. So Being attacked by wolves? You I, Even until this week, I always thought he said these wolves are coming from my heart. I'm like, oh, okay, wolves of love. Not quite Kate Bush, but okay. It's amazing what we carry yeah it's it's These amazing burdens. what you miss here it, i know i know um it's
1: amazing what you convince yourself you hear well this
0: is it well this is one of the things with music until you get a lyric in front of you it's like yeah. oh that's what they oh that makes a lot well, more that sense makes more sense than wolves
2: Whoa!
0: Comparing with the Rod Stewart's second verse, because the Rod Stewart's song is the same until it gets to the second verse, and his second verse is, and now, though you've heard it all before, well, I'll tell you one more time so I can be completely sure, so you know how much I love you. That's not really saying anything. It feels like a filler. Ver- it actually yeah. feels like someone wrote that in, not knowing what they wanted to say for the second verse.
1: Yeah. So, maybe they uh, Bert and Carol punched it up after the, the Rod Stewart version.
0: For sure. I think they knew they had a hit, and, and they made yeah. sure they had the ultimate second verse. Of course, there is only two verses, because it's going to head to Stevie Wonder's chorus. Yeah. What do you think about Stevie Wonder's chorus? Because now it's like... It's it's a bit of a musical derby coming up. Yeah, so the course is repeated
1: essentially three times in a row at the end, yeah. and it goes Stevie, Gladys, Elton. Yeah, and it just escalates yeah. each single course. And and I'm really kind of surprised. I mean, there's when they harmonize and everything, but this is really Gladys's only shot at at a solo vocal in in the song
0: is uh, her. Um, her chorus. Her chorus, right. Should we talk about Stevie Wonder's chorus? Or do you want to...
1: Well, let, let's let us yeah. go through chronologically. Yeah. 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 So, okay. let's talk
0: about Stevie's chorus
1: first. Okay. Stevie Wonder's chorus. Yeah. So, he sings the chorus. And it's
0: Stevie Wonder singing it. Okay. But... But... He has a way of singing it that... Each of them sings it a bit differently, right? Yeah. So, he has a way of saying Smiling and Shining that I remember. Like, he's got a certain intonation to that. Whenever he plays it live... He always changes the lyrics here. Oh, okay. He says, knowing you can always count on Steve, for sure. Oh, that's great. Yeah. The chorus moves along, and it's definitely Stevie Wonder's voice as yeah. he's singing it. And it has that classic Stevie Wonder sound, but at the end, he brings it up. Yes. He doesn't bring it down, he brings up, oh that's what friends are for, which is the baton passing.
2: Oh that's what friends are for.
1: Whoa. And it leads into Gladys Knight. Stevie brings it up and she takes it up even higher.
0: I mean, arguably, it might be the best vocal. Like I it's think not so. the most insane vocal, yeah. but it's incredible. She just does this
1: fantastic job with it and you watch the video and, and you see and like she's not a a, a woman of of large stature she, yeah. she's pretty short and everything yeah. but like just
0: so much power in her voice saying it makes me think of like midnight train to georgia you yes. remember hearing that like holy cow what's this voice and there it is in this friend song and you whenever they you hear the live version she's doing that too yeah. incredible yeah. <laughs> But then after Gladys Knight yeah. comes Elton John swinging for the fences.
1: Well, and I wonder because if uh, – because they all recorded everything separately. So, if Stevie and uh, Dion Warwick did their parts kind of together and then Gladys Knight does her part and she hears Stevie and and, uh, and uh, Dion's part and they're just like, well, I'm going to amp it up a touch. And then Elton – Who's the last guy on the recording, uh, or invited in into the uh, into the friends group, or whatever you want to call it? If he has everybody's parts, so he's listened to everything, and he's just like swinging for the fences. Yeah. Like this is an all or nothing. And Elton John just belts it out. Uh, the The one article I read uh, from uh, Tom Brehan, uh, the Stereo Gum article on the number one songs, is he basically says there's there's a group that have this gospel background but elton is the one testifying
0: true true enough wonder how much Burt Backrack has to do in the production of Elton John's vocal there. Yeah. Because I, I wasn't sure if Elton records it and they send it to Burt Backrack or if he's there getting the vocal out of him yeah. and then pushing him further. Because, I mean, Elton goes for it in his songs, but this one especially yeah. is something. And like, he knows somehow, he knows that he has to do this, like you said. Mm-hmm. And this is pretty incredible for 1980s production because it's so sterile, where they're all in their special little rooms, yep. they're all away from each other, and somehow they piece this together to make it feel like they're all in that room, yeah. playing off each other. Yeah, yeah, that's what makes this song.
1: It, it it feels so intimate. Yeah, and like contrast that to the the other um, larger productions of like uh, We Are the World, and and where everybody's together in the studio, like all these massive artists are in the studio together. It, it feels a little bit sterile there, but here, it's the exact opposite. It's piecemealed together, but it feels intimate.
0: Yeah. And then at the very end, this is what I really remember as a kid too, is they're kind of like still singing it back and forth. And then Stevie Wonder has that line at the very... What does he say? Count um, on me for sure? Or, or... No. So, Stevie sings... Well, they're all going back and forth. And Dionne Warwick's vocal is so great because she does this harmonizing thing where she's not the overpowering vocal, but she's just a steady hand in that. And then he comes in and he says, he laughs, yeah, that's what friends are for. Yeah. And then he says, yeah. And I just remember that so well as a kid and I knew that would take us to the end.
1: One of the things that I really like about the song is it's uh, it's bookended by that by that harmonica. Yeah, it, it brings it in and it takes it out, and it, it just it just suits it so so well. Yeah, like it it, it leads us into that that nice little uh, nice little opening by Dion Warwick, and and she doesn't hit it like super hard or anything, and she just like eases into the song, and then you have that ending. And then they sort of ease down and outro with uh with the uh with the harmonica again, which I just I don't know. I just always loved the way that the song was bookended.
0: Yeah. They land the plane perfectly. Yes. Absolutely. Take off and landing. landing yeah. Smooth as silk. No turbulence whatsoever. <laughs>
1: What I do like at the end there, because Elton has that, that really big finish, but then everyone comes in at the end and they harmonize it because they're friends. That's and funny. they 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 bring it home together. It's not a song of one-upmanship. And it might seem like that in, in a sense, because like each uh, chorus at the end just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But no, like you get the feeling... That despite the fact that they are for massive egos and massive talents, that it's a cohesive unit.
0: And this is what makes that video so important. Yes. And and in that article in Stereo Going also argues that without the video, we'd be thinking differently. But when you see the video, now there's two versions. Yeah. There's one where they're at the piano that um, kind of is used for the promo picture on the on 45, yeah. which I have here, Which we have actually. in front of us, yeah. $2.49 Canadian, 1985, when it was bought. It's like $3 in today's dollars. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Right. But I remember this really well because my family didn't buy a lot of music. But in that year, we bought We Are The World, Tears Are Not Enough, Say You, Say Me, and That's What Friends Are For. Oh, okay. I remember that very well, that those 45s were all bought. And they were all very important songs yeah even say you say me was very important yeah because it was about russian dancer defectors and white well, knights that's right, right? Yeah, so white knights, everything that's right. these were all very important songs i mean we also had i just called to say i love you by stevie wonder i remember that well too but those are the 45s
1: they're all socially charged songs
0: yeah it's incredible they're they're so good and i I'm, appreciate that these are the songs i knew so well yeah, yeah, so, yeah. and it's they're in fine condition also, the funny part is, like, they always have these B-sides that we never turn it over yeah. to the B-side, ever.
1: What's on the B-side of this thing?
0: Two Ships Passing in the Night, written by Dion Warwick, produced by Luther Vandross. Oh. And I have never heard it. We should look that up. <laughs> yeah. Now, the video. Okay, back to the video. You got two. You got the one at the piano, but the yep. one where they're standing and singing, I yep. think, is the official.
1: That's the one I understand as being the official. So,
0: why don't we talk through
1: this video a bit? I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about the video because it's it's four people taking their turns and singing but my goodness you watch this everyone is shining everyone is smiling but it's not like they're having a like a a, you know fun rousing good time but like you can almost see tears welling up in their eyes yeah because they're just so passionate about the song and 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 friendship and and all of that from what i understand at the end of the video like like the different artists were like crying and hugging and they're just loving that song and just the first time that they've been together to sing this song is for the video
0: yeah and you have different characters kind of working there where you have elton john's hamming it up yeah right he's kind of poking at dion warwick and he's Shooting off his, yeah. the gun fingers, I think. And, well, it's, and he's
1: wearing a bolo tie and and that hat. And I, yeah. was, I was, I watched the video. just like, did did Corey Feldman just
0: travel back in time for this video? It's like, the, no, it was Elton John. The hilarious part is that Elton John is notorious for going into a shopping mall and like buying everything in sight. Oh, okay. so he specifically chose those clothes. Yeah. <laughs> or someone did for him. Yeah. And then you have um Stevie Wonder in a classic 80s Stevie Wonder with the the beads in his hair, yeah. I think. If yeah, I'm thinking rightly, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the braid. Yeah, but were there beads in there? In yeah, my there head there's beads, beads in there. Yeah, in there. Yeah. And when he sings suddenly I see, they mentioned this in the article too, but it yeah. does work in the video where you're like, "Oh, he's saying see, but he's also blind." And yeah. so there's this thing about friendship being beyond sight. Yeah. And Gladys Knight is dying laughing anytime anyone does any sort of musical move.
1: Yeah, yeah. She, there's just so much joy in all of their faces when they're when they're singing this song together.
0: One other thing I noticed, I don't know if this is uh, supported by science. I think it is. I just noticed how wide Dionne Warwick's mouth was. And it had me thinking about great singers and whether they have like Really big mouths. And then okay. I looked at all their mouths and trying to think of how if they're bigger than the average person's mouth. Because, okay. you know, the Freddie Mercury thing where he didn't get his teeth fixed because yeah. of it, it would wreck his voice. And it had me wondering if I didn't get braces, whether I would have been a great singer. If you would have been a better singer. Yeah. I mean, they have great teeth, but they just seem to have a very uh, a wide sort of surface area to work
1: yeah. with. Well, big voices need big mouths. Right? That's a, yeah. Uh, that's science, isn't that's it? That's science, right there.
0: Maybe we should move to some categories? Yeah. It's tough to talk about Hallmark movies with this because it is a movie in itself to me. That video, it belongs in this space.
1: There, There's, yeah, I don't think it could be a Hallmark movie necessarily because the song doesn't, uh, well, I guess maybe, like it comes in at, at the end because there's no chance for conflict in this song. No. And it's nothing but like positive friendship and uplifting lyrics.
0: And with the knowledge that it was meant for AIDS research and a, and for a cure, it becomes its own sort of anthem in a song about yeah. this disease. Yeah. And so it becomes a movie about that maybe. When you were a kid, was this the first time you heard about AIDS? Uh, it definitely was for me.
1: In, in around this time, yeah. but uh, I mean, I I Definitely didn't understand what what I was being told,
0: but, no, yeah, but it was something where it was like this sort of sadness that it was not understandable, but yeah. the song kind of put it out there, yeah, so I had this appreciation only recently, I mean, it should have been a lot sooner about how horrific this was, and so yeah. the song in that context is uh is important,
1: yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's it's i mean there's there's the
0: obvious connection between yeah. between the two. On to some lighter fare. On to some lighter fare. Common category, could Michael Bolton sing this song? Well, I think we've always just answered yes. Yeah. Uh, it's a, should Michael Bolton sing this song?
1: Yes, as, mm-hmm. a, as part of a quartet, but I don't know who would be in that quartet. But Michael Bolton, in my mind, would have to do that, the Elton John part.
0: And then I guess he could bring in some other friends, like Kenny G could do the harmonica. Yep. Yeah. And then... He, we need to ha- we need to round that out with a couple more people. So Celine Dion, Celine Dion, Richard Marks. yeah. Who else would Beyonce throw things off?
1: Well, I'm trying to think of like uh, people who would have peaked in the uh, in the late eighties, early nineties. Janet Jan- Jackson. Oh, she was still doing stuff in. the... Yeah, I um, guess so. Hmm, tough to say. Paul Abdul. Oh, yeah. Did you come up with a mixtape? I have a mixtape.
0: Okay. Go ahead.
1: All right. My mixtape theme is friendship. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, Lean on Me by Bill Withers. Good. Um, You're My Best Friend by Queen. I'll Stand By You, The Pretenders, which I absolutely love that song. Right. Uh, Stand By Me, Benny King. Wind Beneath My Wings, Bette Midler and then we're going to we're going to finish it off
0: with anytime you need a friend by Mariah Carey. Okay, nice. I will surprise you with my theme. It's on friends. <laughs> so I open with friends by Michael W. Smith. Okay. Bit disappointed in um his releasing of versions of friends because there's two to three versions of friends. Yeah. There's the original version of friends from his debut album, Project which is the better one on piano. But then he did a synthier one a few years later, which he remastered, and that's the one that sounds better on yeah. Spotify. So that's the one I'll put in. Oh, okay. You've Got a Friend and Me from Toy Story with Randy Newman and Lyle oh, Lovett. Oh, okay, yep. And then, here's some surprises. There are songs missing from Spotify that should be in there. Okay, Garth Brooks, Friends in Low Places. Okay, yeah. Not there. Oh, jeez. Was it Friends in High Places? No, it's Low friends Places. Friends in Low Places. Friends Forever by Zach Attack. Not on Spotify. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, friends forever. Always be friends. will be friends again. Forever. So that's what Friends are for wins Grammy of the Year. Yeah. Just, gonna, just thought I'd include this here. Let's take a look at what it was up against. Okay. And then see where you stand, because we love this song, but let's see what it's up against. Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. Okay, that's a tough one to beat out. Addicted to Love, Robert Palmer. Okay. Higher Love, Steve Winwood. Ooh. That's a tough one. Yeah. Graceland, Paul Simon. Oh. So, I mean, if it had been you can call me out i think that'd be really really difficult yeah but um the higher love is a that's a tough one Mm -hmm. i get why that's what friends are for wins yeah but i know for a fact that i've listened to higher love way more times yes i I never would choose that's what friends are for to listen to unless i was doing a podcast episode (laughs) on it (laughs) but it's always there for you it's always there and And it's a good friend so i know i don't need to worry about it exactly yeah
1: So, as we come to the end of the episode here, uh, just, again, thank our listeners for being there with us, and just knowing that, like, our listeners are our friends, and that we'll be on your side
0: forevermore, because that's what friends are for. And, you know what, if we ever do go away, dear listener, you can just close your eyes, go to your favorite podcast app, find Bill and Frank's guilt-free Pleasures... Pick one of the songs and hit play.